welcome to another episode of Hawaii Catholic Herald Highlights. I'm Anna Weaver, the Associate Editor of the Hawaii Catholic Herald, and today I'm talking with Jane Mondoy, the Director of the Diocese of Honolulu's Office of Faith Formation. Thanks, Jane, for coming and recording with me. Thank you for the invitation, Anna. It's great to be here. Yeah. Um, Well, I wanted to start a little bit about your background. Can you tell me, like, how long you've worked for the diocese, and have you always been in faith formation? Sure, thank you. Well, I have been the director, what used to be the director for the Office of Religious Education, and now the director for Faith Formation for the Diocese of Honolulu since 2005. And prior to that, I was the uh, vice principal, dean of academics for St. Louis School. Okay. And was invited to you know, apply for the position and was very blessed to be hired. Okay, that's right. I forgot you were at St. Louis yes. prior to this. So um, now you get to work with a, a wider range of ages, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yes. A wider, ranges, wide, wider range of, of students, of children, of families. And so this holistic approach to faith formation is very exciting. It's an exciting ministry to be in. And you're now involved um, on the national level as well, I think, with um, some committees on catechesis, correct? Is that- yes, yes, I am. You know, when you are in ministry long enough, <laughs> and particularly I think that the, the blessing of being here in Hawaii and the unique cultural aspects of, of the richness, that we, the, the diversity that we have to offer here in the islands, is something that the church thank goodness, is more and more open to discover and to participate in, to learn more about. And so certainly having an invitation to become part of certain committees right now with the United States Conference for Catholic Bishops, the USCCB subcommittee for Asian and Pacific Island Affairs. And so I'm involved with that subcommittee. I was also very blessed to be asked by Loyola Press to write one of six books for catechist formation. And the approach for this particular book was really of storytelling. And I was able to weave, therefore, our stories, the cultural approaches, uh, all of the different types of experiences that we have that are shared, of course, with ministry across our country, but certainly unique to our sense of place and how we approach our, uh, our, our cultural needs, our, the, the ethnic communities that we serve, and how uh, leaders in faith formation may go about uh, you know, approaching faith formation in different cultural settings. So to be able to be invited to write one of six books and um, explore the, those topics was was really great. Um, and then when our diocese, uh, with Bishop Larry's leadership, moved to restore the original order of the sacraments of initiation, once we moved past that, um, I was invited along with Deacon Modesto Cordero, who used to be the director for the Office of Worship, to write a booklet on our experience so that we can share it with others in uh, the United States in terms of how we went about approaching um, the implementation and the planning for, well, planning and implementation for restored order, which of course we call original order here in our diocese. And that started officially rolling out in 2015? Was that around the time? Or yes. I know there was obviously a lot of planning before your parishes 
began adopting it. But can you yeah. talk a little bit about why the diocese decided to go back to the original or restored order? Sure. Well, the Cathedral Basilica of Our Lady of Peace has um, been practicing restored order or original order for, oh gosh, I think about 20 years now. Okay. In the second grade? Yes. Yes. In the second grade at the age of reason. And so it it wasn't without precedent that we moved toward this. And so back in about 2014, some members of Bishop's Diocesan Pastoral Council had posed the question, why are we not observing original order or restored order, as it's more commonly known, um, across the diocese. And so that began a wonderful conversation. And I think that it's it's beautiful that the question came from the laity. Okay, yeah. Uh, this desire to receive the sacrament of confirmation more sooner than later for uh, offer God's grace for children as they're growing up, not when they're practically finished growing up. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we began the we began the process around 2015 because as you you know as you might imagine it takes quite a bit of um, background work yeah. behind the scenes work in order to ready ourselves for implementation from going out to listen to the various communities what their concerns may be moving toward um, restoring the original order of the sacraments of initiation to the norms. So rewriting norms, rewriting guidelines for teaching religion uh, as they touch the parishes and the schools and, and a host of other supporting documentation policies, norms to help us um, to facilitate the implementation. Okay. And um, did you get much pushback? Like, I know some of the arguments are that kids are not ready to be confirmed. And then, of course, the opposite argument that Bishop Silva says is it's not a sacrament of graduation. It's a sacrament of initiation, right? So that's, you know, part of the reason to put it at the age of reason in second grade. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly it was a very healthy conversation about people expressing their concerns. And we always enjoy having having people express their concerns because it gives us a wonderful opportunity to teach, right? Mm-hmm. The connection of baptism and confirmation mm-hmm. and how that's you know how, how these two sacraments are connected. And even when we go out and lay out, say, the right, the order of baptism and the order of confirmation, you can see how the order of confirmation echoes the beauty of the sacrament of baptism. And so as as the conversations, you know, took place, that gave us a wonderful opportunity to teach the theology, because, you know, as you probably heard, confirmation is sort of this sacrament in search of a theology, mm-hmm. and, it, and it became a sacrament of as, as Pope Francis said, a sacrament of farewell mm, yeah. uh, because it was offered to, you know, to young people age 15, 16 or so, and, and then they would leave the, the church soon after. It was sort of like a graduation. And now with the original order being observed in our, in our diocese, you can really see this, that beautiful process of, of baptism, of of confirming, of God confirming in us <laughs> his loving commitment covenant given in baptism. And then 
having Eucharist as the source and summit, that this completion of our sacraments of initiation. So over time, uh, it more and more, the faithful are coming to understand and truly appreciate mm-hmm. that sequence. And we have more souls walking the earth with the grace of the sacraments of confirmation. Yeah, because I, well, another thing would be that sometimes even at high school level, the kids would not have stuck around sometimes or had more pushback as teens against doing confirmation. And then it was finished basically phasing into all parishes right before the pandemic or at at 2020, right? Yes. Was that when it was finishing up? Yes. So yes. it was a little unfortunate. Um, at least most of it got done, right? So, yeah, I mean. Yes, most of it got done. It was the, we implemented in three, in a, in a three-year phase. So the parishes were able to self-select which year they wanted to implement original order. Much of it, I don't know much of it, but some of it had to do with their readiness for having a comprehensive youth ministry program okay. in place. Because, of course, we don't want to um, begin confirming at the age of reason, understood to be about age seven, and not have anything yeah. for the for the young people, for teens especially. So parishes that felt that they were ready with their comprehensive youth ministry program uh, opted into year one. And then those who need a little bit more time, year two, and then year three, which I thought was a wonderful way um, of of doing this. It gave the parishes, you know, time to prepare. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And I guess the one thing with the pandemic would be like a a lot of programs were online or frozen for a while there. Do you think... um, Things are starting to come back now, or how? What are you seeing or hearing from the parishes as far as now um, catechizing to the kids that have received their sacraments of initiation? Well, I have to say that during the pandemic, the parish catechists were heroic. <laughs> they were heroic. I recall being in one session with the parish, and where uh, there was a dad with his child who was preparing to receive First Holy Communion. And although we were not permitted at the, at, during that year to, to be in our churches, the catechist continued to reach out to those who had received the sacraments um, well, to, and to all families. And to see that father and his young daughter together praying, and she was just beaming as her dad prayed. And I thought, you know, th- th- this, the, the, the importance of the family the domestic church and the grace of the sacraments that 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 give that fuel this domestic church fit together so beautifully in that one image during the pandemic so it was really clear that the holy spirit was still at work <laughs> still at work even during the pandemic but certainly yeah so certainly the numbers um, as we're seeing in most parishes were affected by that and I, they're they're returning. Mm-hmm. They're returning to um, healthier numbers, to the pre-pandemic mm-hmm. numbers. Um, have you seen any particular parishes that have, I don't know, model programs? And what are they doing as far as, um, I don't know if you say catechesis, but formation, you know, after mm-hmm. second grade through high school? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yes, we have many parishes who... I would consider models, and primarily, I would say that the 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 common thread among them 
is an emphasis on families. Okay. Particularly the question being from baptism because of course we still baptize infants and then we typically don't see them until they reach catechetical age. Some parishes begin preschool Mm -hmm. but still more parishes are uh, helping the family form their children in faith so that zero to age five or zero to age six whenever it is that the parish begins their formal religious education program we're starting to see more of a beautiful movement to to go back to help to assist the family with what is promised at baptism to raise the child in the faith so it becomes again restoring the role the primary role of the parents as the um the, the primary teachers of the faith, mm-hmm. and then we as catechists are there to accompany, to assist, mm-hmm. and to help resource them. So certainly that age level of very young children, mm-hmm. zero to five or zero to six, mm-hmm. and that, you know, as we're, we're both parents, and so we know that once we can help establish those sort of behaviors in our family life and in our children, mm-hmm. then it becomes a little bit uh, more of an understanding of family life, of Eucharistic living. Mm-hmm. You know, once you receive your sacraments of confirmation, mm-hmm. First Holy Communion, it's a Eucharistic lifestyle that began yeah. <laughs> ever since you were an infant. So you're already familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm a fan of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd mm-hmm. program here in the diocese. And they've been doing, both my kids have been doing that. So it is nice to see the diversity of programs at different parishes. Mm-hmm. Um, changing the topic a little bit, I wanted to talk about the Eucharistic revival um, that has been going on here in the U.S. And can you talk a little bit about what you have been doing with the Office of Faith Formation as far as that? Yes, we are in the tail at the tail end of a six island catechist retreat focusing on the Eucharist. And you mentioned Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. The two catechists that we have who are nationally certified formation leaders in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd are assisting me with facilitating these retreats, and that's Joan Heil, Mm -hmm. familiar with Joan, and Maile Domingo. And these two women are just extraordinary catechists who have years and years of formation experience from ages three all the way up through high school. And so Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, as as you know, emphasizes allowing the child to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. How And how important is that for all parents? Because there's so much noise, there's so much context, content, you know, in this world. And to begin at a very young age to learn how to listen to the Good Shepherd, to have context to the content, Mm -hmm. beginning at such a young age, is, is is a beautiful experience. And so the catechists are taken through what the child would experience. And, <laughs> you know, as adults, to, to have hands-on experiences, to remind ourselves of the beautiful gestures that take place during the Mass, especially during the liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh-huh. 
And and I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and we're just coming back and it's just like looking, seeing Jesus, this person we adore and we love and who adores and loves us, of course, yeah. with new eyes. There's so much excitement in the room. Yeah. Oahu, for example, it was pouring rain on the day of the catechist retreat up at St. Stephen Diocesan Center. And a hundred people still showed up. Honestly, they were swimming in like ducks, but (laughs) (laughs) it was a beautiful morning and afternoon to help our catechists and ourselves to remind us of Of course, Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist and ways to help the children and their parents to understand this more through through gestures, Mm -hmm. through allowing the child to lead and listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd, and settling in on the beautiful prayers say, like the commingling, you know, prayers commingling of Jesus' water and wine, Mm -hmm. Jesus' humanity and divinity, and through, you know, just just all of the different aspects, the beautiful prayers of the priest um, during the liturgy of the Eucharist. It was, it was such a great experience of prayer and recollection. It's funny you mentioned the co-mingling because so my kids are in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program and Owen, the second grader, came home talking about like water and wine. And I'm like, you know, you can't change water into wine. You're not Jesus. But he was wanting to do the, the like cruet and the putting a little bit of water in the wine because they were going through that in their lessons. So he found some food dye and was going at that. That's so amazing. It's, it's, it's neat. Very hands on. I, I yes. like the hands on aspect and also the picking of, you know, what you're what activity or what your focus is that day, they do have choice in that kind of thing. So The gestures really stay with us. Mm-hmm. So it's in terms of methodology, being able to help remind catechists about, certainly words are very important. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular sequence as you get a little bit older and, and the words take on deeper meaning for you. You know, as an example, when the... When, when we speak about words, our words can influence our perception of reality. God's word, God's divine word has the power to create mm-hmm. reality. You know, God's word spoke the universe into being, spoke mm-hmm. the earth and us into being. God's word became flesh. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus, being God... Mm-hmm speaks, this is my body, this is my blood, and this is not a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, these are words, divine words spoken into reality. Mm-hmm. And so we, as transformed realities in, in our confirmation, and certainly when we receive Eucharist, we can see, we can see the true presence, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Now, those words are important, and they're but but you know you need you need to be a little bit older, yeah. <laughs> a little more mature. And so the the beauty of the catechesis of the Good Shepherd, as you know, is is that combination of gesture mm-hmm. that helps to give meaning to the words. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, anything else about the Eucharistic revival here in the diocese that you'd like to talk about? What I am so impressed by is the the way that the laity are coming forward to articulate their love for Jesus in the Eucharist. 
you know, back when I was a little kid, it, that was those were the words for the priests, you know, and the, and the sisters. But you know, when I was in grade school, I had the privilege of attending the parochial school for my parish, St. John the Baptist at the time. And um, back then, it was the Marinal sisters who were teaching at the school. And I remember it was about, I had to be second grade because it was the year I received First Holy Communion. And I was like, kind of like that Kolohe kid. And I remember looking into the louvered windows of the convent and seeing the sisters at mass and prayer and then go, the masses ended. And they went from mass out the front door to us. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, even at a very young age, I was reasonable at the age of reason, yeah. reasonable enough to to understand that Jesus is sending these beautiful women to us, you know, in mission. So, so that's part of the um, the the beauty of being catechist mm-hmm. and and this whole Eucharistic revival is that more and more the laity we all are coming to uh, articulate and respond more fully to being sent by the Eucharist. And in order to do that, we have to all, you know, of course, understand and believe that this is truly Jesus mm-hmm. yeah, who is who we receive and is sending us. Well, great. Um, that was kind of what I wanted to focus on with the Christ revival, but is there any other faith formation topic that you think uh, our listeners would be interested in getting an update on or hearing more about? So many. <laughs> I would just, of course, I have to uh, leave with a with a shout out to the catechists. These beautiful men and women who dedicate their time and their talent. (laughs) So much to talk about true nature of stewardship. Mm -hmm. You know, we could be spending our time doing all kinds of things, you know. Yet yet they hear the call of God through their baptism Mm -hmm. and they desire to share the person of Jesus Christ with others. So... I, I thank the catechists. I, I thank the, the pastors who invite them, the catechetical leaders who invite them to ministry, and uh, uh, to those of you who may be considering catechetical ministry, please do. Please do. Just just come, and we'll work with you. We promise. We need faithful, and we'll teach you the rest. Oh, well, thank you, Jane. I appreciate uh, getting to hear a lot of the more current information, too. Um, and uh, I guess I will wrap up here by saying that uh, this has been another episode of the Hawaii Catholic Herald Highlights, and we'll have another podcast in about a month. Thanks. Thank you, Anna.